Welcome to Coinology, the podcast. You ain't getting no money if you constantly worried about what everybody else got to say. If you constantly got your eyes on what everybody else doing, you ain't getting no money. When it comes down to closing a deal, I get you done. Welcome to Coinology, the podcast. Hey, welcome to a new episode of Coinology. And I'm sitting here, sitting across from none other than Special K. Give it up for Special K, y'all. All right, y'all. Yeah, hey. Special K. Now, you got to give my whole actual name, Carl Douglas. Okay, Special K, Carl Special Douglas. K, yeah, well, Carl Douglas, a.k.a. Special K. Okay. Yeah. Carl Douglas, aka Special, Special K. K. That's a long yeah. one to remember. Yeah, because Special K is a character I play on the radio. This character I play as a radio personality, as a comedian, as radio personality on one of the number one syndicated radio person, nationally syndicated radio personality. Okay, yeah. on the Ricky Smiley Morning Show. The, yeah, Ricky Smiley Morning Show. Okay, That's okay. Yeah. So uh, Special K, Carl mm-hmm. Douglas, same person. Same, different? same person, uh, different people. Okay. <laughs> Different. So, what's the difference? It's like Batman and Bruce Wayne. Okay. Okay. You know, uh, so, who I have? Who's in front of me right now? Special K is the crime fighter, and uh, Carl Douglas is the father, the husband, the the um, the social activist, all that kind of stuff. Okay. So, I'm yeah. trying to think of who who's here right now. Um, I ain't figured that out yet. It may you may as of, we start talking, <laughs> I'll, I'll kind of figure out which one, which one you get. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm really, really, really excited to have you here, Kay. I've been knowing you for about a decade. Right. Long time ago. Yeah. Long, yeah. long time. ago. Ago. I've right. seen your career from all elements, and right. I'm I'm really honored that you're here today. Right? Oh, well, thank I, you. Yeah, yeah. You talk a little bit of time it's out. Rare that people are honored to see. I you. am. I'm honored because you know what? I've actually seen the grind. I've seen the grind. Yeah. I've seen. I've yeah. seen it. And you are now on a national tour. Um. Yeah. I've been. Well, I've been on national tour. Uh, we started last. Um. Last. Uh, oh God. What's this? Yeah. Uh, Royal Comedy Tour. I did that most of uh, 2023, um, and just did a just did the first date for 2020. Just did the first date to finish out 23, going into 24. Uh, not sure yet whether we're gonna do the whole 24 tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's still kind of in you know negotiation, but uh, yeah, that's with um, some more. And, uh, some, some more. more. Yeah, some Damn. more. She's the host. Yeah, it's a very good friend of mine. It's my sister. Finally um, Famous is the name of it? Finally Famous is the name of my comedy special that I'm shooting on uh, October 14th. Okay, yeah, okay. that's the name of my comedy special. And it's Finally Famous with a question mark because, you know, famous is, is relative. Mm-hmm. It's a relative term. And it's a term for me that is not as important as it is for a lot of people. Well, I wanted to ask you how important is being famous? Because I know... The conversations that you and I had over yeah. a decade, decade it, it ago. How fan, important it was, it was it? It was way more important then than it is now because one thing I've done is, you know, when you cross that that uh that that line of demarcation called turning fifty, mm-hmm. um, you know, you you start to view things differently. Or at least I do. Mm-hmm. And um fame is something I chased probably I don't know. I probably chased fame for 15, 20 years? Yeah, you I, were on because a high I thought, for it, lad. I thought that was what I wanted. Uh-huh. But the closer you become to people that actually are there, and I think, again, fame is relative depending on who's describing it, um, it's not that important anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you get to a different place in your life. You got family. You got people close to you that, that are no longer here. You got people around you that you see that have achieved that 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 thing called fame and you realize that maybe it's not all what it's cracked up to be so why does it take men damn near to <laughs> death okay before they realize that it's not all i mean because in this business you've been around a lot of people in this business mm-hmm. and i think that when you're motivated by only i think fame chasing fame can be a very dangerous pursuit mm-hmm. um i found that what i really want is validation and happiness Mm -hmm. and even happiness is a very it's a very difficult to describe term because what is happiness that's also very relative Mm -hmm. depending on 
you know, what makes you happy. Uh, the older I get, as I watch my kids grow up, I realize that what makes me happy is seeing them happy. Mm -hmm. If my kids are happy, if my kids are content, if my kids are, are, are in a good space in their lives, that gives me happiness. Because if I achieve a certain level of financial success, because I used to say, I used to have these numbers. You know, we all have these numbers that, man, if I can just make this amount, mm -hmm. I'm going to be happy. If I can have this kind of car, I'm going to be happy. If I can have this in my savings, I'm going to be happy. If I can rock this necklace and this bracelet. If I can rock this necklace and this bracelet, I'm going to be happy. <laughs> but what you realize is it's all, can I say words? Yeah, go ahead. What you realize is it's all bullshit uh -huh. if the real, you know, uh, part of your life ain't, like the, 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 the things that I want to fix in my life, have nothing to do with fame, have nothing to do with tours, have nothing to do with money in the bank. The things I want to fix have to do with making my kids whole, you know, mm -hmm. because the five most important people in the world to me are my kids. Mm -hmm. And they're all adults now. Mm -hmm. My youngest is about to turn 20. I saw you made a post on social media the other day. I think you had your daughter up there and you're looking for a son-in-law, <laughs> right? Let me ask you this. Would you want your son-in-law to be like you? Um... No. Okay. That's I don't. I don't. I, I yeah. don't want my son-in-law to be like. I said. Me. I wonder if Kay want his son-in-law. No. And me and my daughter had that conversation. Okay. And she was very transparent and very honest with me, and uh, a couple of things that she said because you know she's twenty-eight now. Mm -hmm. This is my oldest daughter. Mm -hmm. She's twenty-eight now. She's beautiful, by the she way. She is absolutely gorgeous, mm -hmm. as are all my daughters. Mm -hmm. But, um. As your wife, yeah, they take as, they yeah, take they, after they, your they wife. They get it from their mom. Your you mom, your, I, the mom is absolutely good. I picked a good one yes. to, to plant my seed in. Yes, uh, yes. because I and you're I, not a bad, you're not shabby. Well, I know I'm I know I'm shallow too, <laughs> and I, I know that I'm very superficial, and and, and appearance is very yeah, important. Yeah, because you me. had to get the ten. You and if I had ugly kids, if I had ugly kids, I would I would have an issue with that. <laughs> like I don't care, like I don't care my kids, straight, gay, trans, just don't be ugly. Just don't be ugly. I can't because I can't look at you if you are under. Just don't be ugly in my household and be comfortable. <laughs> I'm not gonna be comfortable with that. I'm I'm gonna be always looking at you with a side eye. Like, why did you mess up the pr the process? Why did you mess up the program? The gene pool, right? But yeah, I, I'm just. But Ebony, I'm happy when my kids are happy. I'm happy. Like I said, uh, validation is something that that I found myself chasing. Because when I when I stopped and looked at, okay, here I am. I'm 20 years into this comedy thing. Um, 17 years into this radio thing, am I where I thought I would be? I don't know because I never planned it out. Mm -hmm. It all just happened. Like everything I did over the last 15, 20 years just kind of happened. Just happened. I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a, I didn't have a vision board. I didn't, I was just like, I'm not going to lie. 23 years ago, I was in federal prison. Mm -hmm. I was, uh, doing my bid. Waiting to get out in in I think it was uh, June of two thousand one. But I let, was before waiting we to get, get out. into that, let's go all. The I way had no back. plan. Where Where are you from, Kay? Uh, born in Philadelphia, raised in Decatur, Georgia. Okay. Uh, dual family household, single mom, single um, dad. My mom and dad was together until I was ten. 10 or eleven, I don't even remember. Mm -hmm. But they split when I was ten or eleven. My dad left. And then it was just me, my mom, and my two older sisters. Mm -hmm. And then, then my stepdad, he came into the picture when I was about, I was about thirteen, maybe. He so came that into was the your picture. male influence. Um, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. that was my male influence. Um, Good relationship. Great relationship. Okay. Uh, uh, he looks at me as a son. I look at him as a dad. And um, you know, he came in, and and the first year that him and my mom was dating, he bought me a dirt bike, and that pretty much settled it for me i'm like <laughs> it solidified i'm like hey brother good you know right. and, and 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 it's crazy thing is all these years later i realized that damn this man was dating my mom mm -hmm. she had a 13 year old son he bought me a dirt bike and it made me realize my mama was putting it down <laughs> she was doing some things <laughs> like no because as a man now like i wasn't looking at it in that way then okay mom. but now looking back i'm like damn you know for me to be dating a chick that's got 
three kids mm-hmm. and and we just dating and I buy her son a dirt bike. Man, my mom was Well, I guess he understood that, that he had to <laughs> <laughs> put that thing. Right. Well, you you know what? He had understood that he had to win your heart too, right? To and he you. won my heart. Like yep. like cuz you know what, 13 year old boy, you buy me a dirt bike, we good. That's it. And you still remember it today. To this day. So how important was education in your household? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not that important. Man, nobody in my nobody in my family went to college. I mm-hmm. I didn't I don't come from that kind of background. Like my mother, she you know high school graduate. My dad was a high school graduate. My uh, stepdad, he like nobody. College was not something that I think I was the first one that they had hopes for mm-hmm. to go to college because like I was really like smart, mm-hmm. but I was also really uninterested in school. So. I didn't do well in school because I had really no interest. But my mom used to say she always wanted me to be an attorney. She thought I was going to be a lawyer Mm -hmm. because, you know, I was I was I was debating and I was argumentative and I was I always had questions. And she always felt like, okay, this kid going to be a lawyer. Um, And I tell her, be careful what you pray for and pray with precision because you pray for me to be in a courtroom. And I ended up in many courtrooms, <laughs> uh, sitting next to lawyers, but I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> so when, when, when did you start having lawyer. your first bout with law enforcement? Oh, man. Uh, in age? my 20s. So, in my 20s. So high school years, you were. High school years, I, I, was, I, was, not, I was not a bad kid. I was, uh, I was a bored kid. Okay. Because I was way more intelligent. Because you got to understand, uh, back in the, this is the 80s. So they didn't really do a lot of deep digging into why kids are being the way that they are. You just was labeled, uh, okay, he's rambunctious, he's a problem in class, whatever. But they didn't dig into it. And then it wasn't until like my 11th grade year that um, they did some testing and determined that, okay, this kid isn't like the upper whatever percentile of intellect. And the reason he's not going to class and not doing because he's bored. He's mm-hmm. not being, but they didn't have, that was the very beginning of gifted classes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If they had discovered this when I was in eighth grade, this probably would have worked out differently. I probably wouldn't be here because I probably would have been an attorney. But you know what though, Kay, I always talk about comedians are probably some of the most brilliant people out yeah. there, right? Because well, the way that you guys process information is so different than, because really- Well, comedians tend to be curious. Curious and you guys and end up coming lot. up with sets that make people think differently. Right. We right? Pro- we process information. We we look at things. We observe things. And I'm I'm, I'm saying we in terms of like uh, the ones who really uh, put some intellect into the comedy. I'm like, not talking about I'm not talking about the classic clowns. I'm, I'm not talking, talking about, about like people. Chris Rock. I'm talking about the Chris Rocks, the yeah. Cat Williams of the world. Yeah. The the, the, the Dave Chappelle's. Mm-hmm. The the you know uh, people who really are observational and opinionated and who take serious topics and find a way to make them funny. That takes a degree of interest. Usually what makes you laugh as a spectator is you're laughing at yourself that I didn't think about it that way. Right. Right? And then that's the part that's funny. You're really laughing at yourself. Right. But, okay, so let's go back. High school wasn't that important. No. I know that you were probably one of the most, and this is what most people don't know, sought after male review dancers in Atlanta. Okay, let's let's let, okay, let's tell the truth. Let, let, I let, saw okay, some of them old pictures. I said that's No, okay, let's let's make sure we let's make sure we got this right. Okay, go ahead. So I was I went into the military when I got out of high school. Military, yeah, because I was a problem. My my mom was sick of me. I was kind of just doing whatever I wanted to do. I was wilding out. She was mm-hmm. like, look, you, you, obviously you're not going to college. You either need to go to the military or you need to go to Philadelphia and live with your dad. Okay. I didn't want to go to Philadelphia. So I mm-hmm. said, all right, I joined the military. I wasn't doing nothing else. Like I said, I had no plan. Mm-hmm. So I went into the and went into the military, and I, that's when I started dancing. Okay. I was in the Air Force. Now, can you do that, though, legally? Well, Here's the thing. Okay. I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest version. Okay. I'm in the Air Force. I'm in my So you had third, to be smart. Yeah. I was, to get I, into yeah, the Air smart. Force, you, you got to be smart. Yeah, you had to be smart. Okay. So I'm in my third or fourth year. I don't mm-hmm. remember. It's mm-hmm. been a long time. And um, I was deciding whether I was going to re-up or whatever. Went to a club one night. My friends gassed me up to get into a sexy man contest. I forgot the name of mm-hmm. it. 
And uh, they say, hey, man, you ought to get in this contest. You can dance. You know, you. I had been working out. I was, you know, I had a little, little cuts and everything. <laughs> so they're like, man, you ought to get in that contest. You can, mm-hmm. you, you better than them dudes. Mm-hmm. So they gassed me up. I went up there, got in the contest. I won 150 bucks. They said, okay, come back next week and defend your title. Mm-hmm. It was like a Wednesday night ladies' night thing. It was real, <laughs> real, yeah, real cheesy. Y'all got to understand, this is the 80s. <laughs> so this kind of thing was, you know, this, this, what, was, this what was cracking. Mm-hmm. So I went back the next week. I did the same thing again. The, mm-hmm. the little, you know, lady was going crazy, or whatever, and and I made it happen again. So then I went back like four or five weeks in a row, and I kept winning the money. Mm-hmm. So the guys who I was beating, they had like a, a little dance crew. They was actual strippers. Mm-hmm. They were like, "Yo, like, like, you know, we don't know where you're from. We don't know who you are, but you need to join our group. Mm-hmm. Like, st- you know, you can't keep coming out here beating us, taking the money, <laughs> making us look bad. Just join our group." Mm-hmm. And so I said, you know what? I had never thought about that. They took me to a place where they bought their little costumes at and everything. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be different. And that's how I became a stripper. I started dancing with the Nasty Boys in Miami. The Nasty Boys. So so how long were you a Nasty Boy? (laughs) How long? (laughs) So, um, yeah. So it was my first time being in a situation where women were just literally like, throwing themselves and it was maybe the greatest feeling I had ever had because I, I honestly in high school I had kind of like you know I, I didn't have the higher self-esteem mm-hmm. you know I was a little dark-skinned relatively skinny little dude but I was funny mm-hmm. you know girls liked me but I was everybody's little brother mm-hmm. you know I was I was well, that must have buddy. been before dark skin became yeah before dark this it was the 80s you still had to well, be light skin no, and green eyes no nah, you didn't I you know yet. Big Daddy Kane Big Daddy yeah, Kane but, changed yeah, the whole but, game uh, yeah but you know yeah you but, didn't but, must but, not have had a flat top but the situation I had a, I had a little jerry curl I had a little had a little curl I had a little curl fade I had a little fade little curl fade but um yeah, that's when I kind of came out of my shell and I realized that, okay, if I do this, not only can I make money, but women going to throw the cat at me and I pretty much can pick and choose who I want and, and do what I want to do. And I went a little crazy. And my commanding officer at the base found out that I was a dancer. Some of the women from the base had seen me. Mm-hmm. Word got back to him. He sat me down. He said, look, you're, you're an NCO. Uh, sergeant, non-commissioned officer. He said, uh, this is conduct unbecoming of an NCO. So you're either going to be a dancer or you're going to be an Air Force sergeant. I said, cool. <laughs> Holla. I said, peace out, United States Air Force. Wow. I'm about to be a dancer. And um, that's when I started dancing. And that's when I, I started doing that full time. And uh, I when I moved back to Atlanta in like, maybe a year after I got out, um, I, had a, I had a kid on the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I decided to get with a group that was up here that was dancing primetime. I got I, I met the, the the founder of that group and I auditioned for them. I made the cut for that and I started dancing here. And then that the went on. That went on. Well, that went on for another seven or eight years, probably. So when did the legal problem start? Oh, man, I started getting in trouble with the law probably 91, 92. Mm-hmm. And is this why you were dancing? 93. Yeah, because I, I started hustling. You know what I mean? I started hustling. I started doing, you know, little stuff, um, making little affiliations with people who was, you know, in the, in the drug game, whatever. I, I was never like a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. I was more or less a a kind of person that was around it. So I would do little stuff, but nothing like major. I was like no major player. Mm-hmm. But because um, it, it was never really in me to be that dude, because I wasn't down with shooting people and mm-hmm. and getting shot at and all that. But I did like money, mm-hmm. so I did just enough that I could say that I was kind of in the game. You know what so I mean? So what what happened when they sent you away? What was the final straw? Um, I caught a case. Uh, I mean, I caught a I caught a case before I caught the case that I did time for. Caught a drug case, but because of my affiliations of who I was dealing with, I was able to get out of that. And then I caught a case with the uh, with the feds for um, uh, 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 white collar, uh, bank fraud, forgery, that kind of thing. I had found a smarter way to make money, mm-hmm. to get money, mm-hmm. even though it was illegal. But it was a much smarter way to get a lot more money without getting dirty. How long were you gone? Um, just under two years. So when you heard the judge say 18 months yeah. in prison, 
What went through your mind? I mean, it was it was as this stripper it was a lot. pretty boy. Yeah, it added was, it, to prison. But I, but I was also I was also an established comedian at that point. I had started doing my comedy thing. I had just won the Deaf Comedy Jam Southeastern oh. Comedy Competition. Um, so I was kind of on so my way. So you know how it feels when these rappers finally get that big break and then yeah, I, yeah, I, I definitely had a break. Um, Bob Sumner, who's the founder, uh, uh, creative director behind. Uh, producer behind the Deaf Comedy Jam, he was going to manage me. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know that I had this case pending. And I didn't tell him about it until, like, I was about to go away because he was ready to, like, t- you know, take me to New York and do some things with me. And it was like, yo. And it really pissed him off when he oh, found I know. out he that probably, I was in trouble. Yeah, he probably said he all this like, Yeah, he had, he had, he had discovered, Fo- well, he had discovered Jamie Foxx, Chris Tucker, like. And so it was like, it was just a blow. It was mm-hmm. like, damn. I just, I had an opportunity and I blew it. And um, so I said, I got to go away and do this time. I had a 10-year-old son at the time, a 5-year-old daughter, and a 9-month-old daughter. How did you explain to them that? Uh, that, were- that, that was tough. I mean, you know, letting, letting, letting them know that, hey, dad's going to be gone for a while, um, it, it was tough. My son, like I said, uh, my daughter, my daughter probably took it the hardest. She's 28 now. Mm-hmm. She was 5 at the time. And um, she took it. It was tough on her. My baby girl, she was a baby, so she didn't really understand what was mm-hmm. going on. But uh, you know, my daughter, it was, it was, it was, it was tough for her. Cause so your wife held it down for you. She held it down. Wow. Yeah, she wow. held it down. With them two kids, and uh, you know. And, Did you uh, allow the kids to come visit you? Yeah, they came to see me because mm-hmm. they let me stay in Atlanta. So mm-hmm. I was in Atlanta. So they would come maybe once or tw- well, well, a couple times a month. Mm-hmm. They would come over and, and do the whole visitation thing, and um, you know. It was what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you were released, you said never again. No, nah, I ain't say never again. You ain't say I, never again, right? Nah, I got in trouble after. <laughs> <laughs> I got in trouble after that. So because I still I, I didn't get no more time, but I got mm-hmm. in, I got into a little situation after that. Mm-hmm. But um, you know when 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 you hustling, man, like people who hustle, it's hard to get that hustle out of you. Mm-hmm. Especially if you hustling on that on that kind of level, it's hard to get that hustle out of you. And because it's quick money. Yeah, it's quick money. It's kind of easy money. Uh, the the risk reward factor is, you know, the 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 reward kind of outweighs the risk, in a sense. If you process, if you can justify it in your mind, and so it's hard to not go back to that. But because I had a talent, because I was able to tell jokes, because I was able to to be funny, I I I had that to kind of fall back on. And so then how, the radio thing. Yeah, but to say how, how did you end up on the Ricky Smiley though? How, okay. How did that happen? That that happened because my manager at the time was also working with Ricky. Mm-hmm. Um he had also he had been my 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 friend and manager from the stripping days. But he had left the the group behind and started uh managing different people. Okay. So he was working with Ricky at the time and he was like, "Yo, um you know, uh, you need to come do some dates. So me and Ricky had already met before. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, yo, I got some dates with Ricky. You need to come out on the road with us and, and let's let's try to, you know, strong, strengthen y'all relationship or whatever. And at the time, Ricky, it was 2006 or something, he had just started his radio show. Um, he had, Steve Harvey had turned his radio show in Dallas over to Ricky. Mm-hmm. And so Ricky had been on for maybe a year and he said, hey, uh, we were on the road. He said, hey, why don't you come to Dallas and just hang out for like a week and help me come up with some ideas because I got this radio show and I just want to be different. I want to be, you know, just really do some wild, funny stuff. Just come down and hang out for like a week and uh, let's see what we can come up with. So I went down to Dallas for a week and uh, that week turned into two weeks, turned into a month and just kept coming up with ideas. You know, Bernie Jenkins church announcements. uh this just in top five, you know, just all kind of little crazy stuff that I had always thought about would be funny. I did some prank calls. Like, we just did whatever. We were trying So to, you were one of the pioneers, the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Came up with a lot of the structure. Yeah, yeah. So as the show began to grow and began to pick up steam, then the show actually was... We got pick- syndicated a year after. Syndicated, and you stayed. Yeah, we got a syndication you. deal. But then Dish Nation picked up the show. Right. Yeah, Dish Nation. Dish Nation picked up the show, but you weren't a part of Dish Nation, <laughs> right? Okay. So how did that feel? Yeah, you want to hit the sore spots. But but, uh, but yeah. how did that feel though? Because you were part of 
the creation. I mean, of- I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie. It it was it was uh that was a situation that came about. I think in large part he had changed management mm-hmm. during the course of all of this. So when the Dish Nation thing came along, uh, the the person uh, you know who was managing his situation at the time didn't feel like it was necessary. And this is coming from this person to me. Mm-hmm. Didn't feel like it was necessary to have two people doing, uh, didn't feel like it was necessary to have two comedians in that space. But they took and everybody else from the show. He was the comedian. Then you had uh, Crack, you had Ebony, you had Rock, you had um, Gary. So everybody was doing something else, but they weren't stand-ups. And so her thing was, I don't need you doing what he does. We already have a comedian. He's the star. He's a comedian. I we don't it. need you I to get be a it. part of this. But how did you feel? You I was were pissed. part of the creation I was, of this. I was very upset. I but was. I how was, did you? So tell me this. How did you keep your head up <laughs> and you still went in every morning and did the radio show and then your your co-workers then go over and shine on Dish Nation yeah. and it was tough. You were not I'm not going to lie. I was, I was, I was, I was, ve- I was very bent out of shape. Did I was you become very bitter? bit out of shape. Did you become bitter? I did. I was very, yeah. I do you was, think I it was, do you think that bitterness impacted your relationship with Ricky at all? Um, we had a couple of conversations about it. Um, he explained to me what his position was on it, that, you know, where he was with Fox and and what his, you know, power was and was not. I had my own feelings about it. We talked about it. We had some uh exchanges. I would say that was that was a little elevated mm-hmm. and um you know and I had a decision to make. I said, "Okay, I can either stay with this situation and just swallow mm-hmm. the this pill and 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 deal with it and hope that maybe, you know, year 2, year 3, somebody'll say, "Hey, you know what? Maybe we can find a way to make this happen, make this work." And it just never did. And and yeah, I was I felt I felt some kind of way about it because it's like being a part of a football team and they go to the playoffs and to the Super Bowl and and you don't get the ring. You don't get the ring. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It it was not a good time. So how did you not sabotage this situation? Because a lot of people would not have been able to process that and they would have sabotaged their situation on the radio. Nah. I mean, I I tried to I tried to just look at the bigger picture um, and say, okay, um, I can either. I can either be a bitter Betty and really, you know, just kind of pout and stomp my feet and just kind of be an asshole and, and just do things to, like you said, sabotage the situation. Or I can I can stick to it, stick with it, make the most of it, make the best of it, get what I can out of what I do have as being a part of a syndicated radio show and just keep it moving. Mm-hmm. And that's what I decided to do, because one thing about this business is when you do take that route, Sometimes you end up cutting your own throat. Oh, most definitely. You know what I mean? Because Not sometimes. what you don't want to be is yeah. that person that, you know It's known to be difficult that, to work that, with that, angry. That kinda on your way out the door, mm-hmm. you know, you smearing crap on the wall and you're pissing in the copier and you're doing all kind of weird shit. You know, sort like, of you, like the way you're sort of like the way Nene left Bravo. Yeah, like you don't want to. about that though? You don't want to leave Raggedy. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not a big Housewives person. Like I don't really watch all that shit. Mm-hmm. But I, I think there's something to be said. This is a very small business. That's right. And you never know who you're gonna come back across. And you always. I try to leave any relationships in this business. I try to leave them not raggedy Rosie. because when you leave it raggedy like i said you never know who's gonna be sitting in that office when you get another opportunity some years down the road and it's the same person that you shitted on five years ago or they on call your way in, out the door they're calling the person you shitted on to get a reference on you. right so right. so as 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 hard as it is to to not be that guy it benefits you to be the bigger person mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. just say you know what for whatever reason, that situation didn't come my way. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, that situation didn't work out. For whatever reason, and, you know, for whatever reason, maybe it just wasn't meant to be. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that wasn't my blessing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and if that had happened, maybe that could have 
been a bad thing and it could have been a good thing financially and it could have been a good thing exposure wise but maybe it could have opened me up to some other things that wasn't so good so right right. again that comes with age that comes with maturity that comes with you know you just got to understand that every blessing ain't your blessing so let's talk a little bit about being almost famous a black man in hollywood and hollywood well Let's say Atlanta, Atlanta Wood, <laughs> yeah, right? I'm in Atlanta Wood, I know. And you know, family, <laughs> wife, yeah. but the women want to keep coming at Special K, right? Yeah. How hard is it? Is it is it a realistic expectation for women today to marry a man that is considered semi celebrity, yeah, or celebrity, and think yeah. that it's just going to be them two forever? Is that realistic? Um, I mean, I think that that's on each individual couple. Mm-hmm. And that's on... Ah, no, let's be real. Do you think it's realistic for people? Like, for instance, people give Diddy a, a hard time because he never married any of his children's mothers. Right. But I think if you know that you can't be 100, yeah. then you should not get married, right? Right. right. So yeah, what's yeah. wrong with that? Um. I think for a man to figure that out early on and not to go that route, like Jamie Foxx, same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another thing. Jamie, from his mouth to my ears, I'll never get married because I know I can't. I don't want to give away half my stuff. And I know I'm going to end up giving away half my stuff mm-hmm. because I know that I ain't going to be able to let go of this uh, this, this this horse I'm riding. He said, I ain't going to be able to let this go. Mm-hmm. And so why even fool myself and try to fool some woman into believing I can do it? Marriage and fidelity and fidelity is a very difficult horse to ride. And you ride and you put celebrity in that too. Oh, you throw that in there? I mean, come on, man. Men, <laughs> look, oh, I'm not one to believe that monogamy is a natural state for most men. Okay, so you think And so you take a man who has options and opportunity and uh freedom of movement. Uh, financial uh, uh, leverage. And don't matter how they look, right? Yeah, I mean, it do matter how you look. Nah, not what it do. It I do seen ma- some. It do matter how you look. You think so? I mean, I think that, I mean, could, because if you take a guy, if Denzel Washington was a bus driver, Denzel Washington would still have a lot of chicks throwing tail at, at him because he's still a good looking. If Idris Elba worked Ooh, at the, you know, Idris the, Elba worked for Amtrak. He would be a dude that worked for Amtrak that got a lot of hoes because <laughs> he still be you know he a sexy dude. Right. So, but you add you a add celebrity on top of and that. A coin? Shit. It's a wrap. Yeah, it's it's gonna be so, very so difficult. So you're saying that women should just go into it knowing that this is part of it. Don't come in here with the. I think you should. I think you else. should go into it knowing that. Okay, this is something I might potentially deal with. This is something I'm probably going to potentially deal with. I'm probably going to deal with a situation where my guy um, avails himself of some of these options. Mm -hmm. And if that's something that is an absolute deal breaker for me, if that's something that I absolutely cannot stomach, that I absolutely cannot forgive, then maybe I don't need to go down this road. So they need to be ready to be a Vanessa Bryant sitting right next to Kobe? I mean, or you just you just kind of like my daughter. My daughter is uh, my daughter, the one that's really right now of marrying age. Mm-hmm. Beautiful girl. Mm-hmm. Absolutely beautiful. And I'm not biased on that. She's objectively. She is. She's gorgeous. Gorgeous. Mm-hmm. OK. And I talk to her and I tell her, look, if you marry a guy that's a top five percenter. God forbid a top one percenter, mm-hmm. but a top five or a top ten percent guy. In a city like Atlanta, understand, and if he's good looking, because you like good looking dude, understand that this is the risk you run. That he he's going to be targeted because every woman pretty much wants that type of dude. So you sound a lot like Kevin, Kevin Samuels, the late Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. He told no lies. He told no lies, huh? He well, he told some. Okay. Some, well, <laughs> some things he said was. All right, bit. so what, let's, but let's talk about the high, value, no the high value man. So you're saying yeah. that you believe that women have a, a misperception of what a high value man is looking for. Right. Right? Yeah. And so 
Yeah. <laughs> such a straight face. Yeah, you, you do. You know, I they loved do. Kevin. And that was primarily because he made me think about things differently. He made me I mean, look the at message myself, was the message was was the message was a little harsh at times, but it it didn't take away from the reality of what he was saying. So when the, his his show Cuz the numbers out, bear it out. You were one of the supporters. You were like, "Yes." I was definitely a supporter. Okay. I was definitely a fan. Okay. I mean, because I could see a lot of what he was saying had had a lot of truth to it. You got I, I saw some crazy number uh, a couple weeks ago. And I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was like you got for probably 200,000 200, men, black men in a certain category. You probably have 8 million women that are looking for those 200,000 black men. Mm-hmm. And so there's only so many black men, like, like uh, I think one of the factors was like the 666 factor. Women want a man that's six feet tall, makes six figures, and got six inches. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least. <laughs> On all three of those sixes. <laughs> now, mm-hmm. I, I, okay, honestly, I only fit two of those categories because I'm five nine. Okay. But anyway. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right now, All right. I mean, and that's that's a, that's as far as I'm gonna go with that. However, uh-huh. <laughs> two out of three ain't bad. Shit. Um, yeah, when you when you in when you in that category, you gotta understand everybody is shooting for what you got. That's right. Mm-hmm. So and 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 women can say, oh well, it can be the same way with women because a woman. No 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 no. That's what not you, how it works. Well, what do you think a woman can do? To keep her man nothing. at home. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing that. Th- that's up to your man. There's so, nothing a woman. There's nothing you can do. You can't mm-hmm. screw him enough. You can't cook enough for him. Mm-hmm. You can't put enough. Uh, 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 what, what do they call it? Air tags on his phone and his car. You can't. If a man wants to dip and stray and do his thing. He's going to do his thing. So I have an old adage that I believe. That once you allow, you you find it, you catch him. Yeah. You you guys work through it. Right. If he knows you're not going nowhere, it's a wrap. Kind so of sort of, yeah. It's a wrap. So, because what can a woman do? So, let me ask you this. What is required for you to stop roving? Here's the most important thing. Here, here, and here's where I become a politician. Okay. Here's the most important thing. In fidelity in a relationship, mm-hmm. the strength of the friendship, okay, between the couple. If if the couple, if if your friendship within the relate within the marital relationship, if the friendship isn't strong, that's where you're gonna have problems. Okay, because it's much easier to be loyal to your friend than it is to your mate. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, if you think about the friends that you have. And I'm talking some some of us have lifelong friends mm-hmm. that we've had since we were teenagers or, or young adults or even prior to that. It's way easier to be loyal to those people mm-hmm. because these are people who you not only love, but you like, you know, and you want them to remain a part of your life. Like there's a couple of friends that I can think of that I never, ever, ever want to not be a part of my life. Mm-hmm. Now, you got to feel that same way about your mate. And this this comes with age and kind of wisdom. Like if I tell my I tell my kids because they're all in various stages of relationships now. Mm-hmm. And I tell them cultivate that friendship. Cultivate that friendship. My, my son, my youngest son, he's dating a girl right now. Mm-hmm. They don't call themselves boyfriend and girlfriend. He said, We're friends. He said, We're good friends. He said, I like her. She likes me. Mm-hmm. We enjoy each other's company. We like to talk. I don't even think they're active in oh, that. Oh boy, sense. You, you, you know what I'm saying? No, you no, no, want no. those parents? No, 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 okay. no. I'm I'm basing basing this off of because a boy gonna tell you. Okay, you know, okay, you know. okay. But but he said, hey man, no, we we just really are enjoying being friends with each other. Okay, and it's a good feeling, and I and I and I I respect that and I admire that because it lets me know that you're building a bond with this person that if you do decide to take it to the next level, you're gonna be be be. Um, you're going to be um, invested in that person in a way that's deeper than just the physical. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, physically, there's nothing a woman can do to keep a man from mm-hmm. testing out some new. Um, but if he is invested in her on, on, on just a friend level, 
you know what I'm saying? That is going to be the glue that's it much keeps stronger. It all together. Yeah. Well, you know, I think too. You can't control what another. But you know person what makes does. it easy too in a society, and I know you hear a lot of this in the radio show, is this whole stripper type music, right? It's pretty much. Um, I think we live in a time now where it is, you know, it started with Little Kim and Foxy, where right. it was very popular for women to be able to be seen as sexual objects. I mean, now you well, got well, the whole sexual the, the women to have the freedom to be as sexually liberated. Well, men. some of it is liberation, and some of it booty hole yeah, brown. Yeah, and yeah. Gotta, I mean, I, I mean, think it's, it's going too far. Yeah, it started. Well, it started. It started. Let, let's say. I think yeah, Kim was one, but Kim, but look, Kim was very artistic and creative with her lyrics. But what about this whole? But the sexy whole, red and the, yeah, okay, we gotta go back to Kaya. You know, my neck, my back. Yeah, Kaya. Remember when my neck, my back yeah, came out? Yeah, I remember. That was That's, that was shocking. Like, it oh my was, god, and it's my still neck, my jam, my, back, my and my crack. Like <laughs> that qualifies as a gospel song in 2023. That you might hear, you might hear that on on the gospel station right, now, because right. then you know, then we had WAP. Then WAP was the next thing, mm-hmm. you know, and WAP was like, whoa. But even WAP had some very creative lit. Like I think Cardi and and Meg, I love that song because I think that their wordplay in the song was very creative. It makes you, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it, it a nasty think. song? Yeah, it's a nasty song, uh-huh. but it was very creative. And you're like, oh my god, did she just say that? The, it was kind of the way she the way they weaved it, it in there. I thought it was dope. Right. Now, this new thing of 2023 mm-hmm. with Sukihana and Sexy Red and and, and Glow Real, like, okay, now it's just trash. Trash. I, it's just, I mean, and it's hard to offend me. Right. I mean, I'm damn near unoffendable. <laughs> I've said some shit. It's hard to offend me, but that shit right there is like, okay, y'all, now y'all ain't even trying. Y'all not even trying. My I booty just, hole brown. Yeah, I, I'm like, I like the cut. Like, and people ah. going, and then this whole ski yee and all this. Yeah, what it's, in it's, the it's, world? It's a lot. I, but I think there's some. I think when you look at mm-hmm. what what produces and what promotes and what uh, platforms that type of quote entertainment, I think there's some other things in play. That go with that, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? The powers that's, that be, yeah, the, the powers you know, that be, you know, the people that make the like. There, there's some other things in play because you're gonna tell me out of that's all not, these it's, it's not rappers, even talent. It's not talent. It's not out talent. of all these rappers out here, you're gonna tell yeah. me that this is the person yeah, that yeah. you choose no, to no, be no. leading no, 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 the no, pack. No, no, no. When Sexy Red went into anybody's office <laughs> and played that track right and, and they said, said my booty hole brown my coochie lips is pink they should <laughs> they should have been ma'am ma'am thank you thank you ma'am no no yeah. no yeah you can turn that we'll off we'll call you thank don't you. call us no no we're not gonna call you <laughs> that's trash we we're not gonna put that out right you know that should have been said that should and when that said. wasn't said that lets you know that there's another agenda there's going a on major agenda because yeah. it's taken it's taken our culture down the road of just it's degrading it's it's like i said it's not even artistically it's not even artistically good right and it's embarrassing like it it's really embarrassing it's really embarrassing it is to see that being put on on front street and then you got people like and then i blame people like drake you got drake got, drake got her on tour with him not Drake. She was on tour with Drake. Like, what the uh, fuck? Like, bro, you don't need on, that. Drake. Like, Drake, come Drake on. Drake is a one. He don't even need an open. Jay-Z act. would never. Never. Jay-Z would never. Never. Put no shit like that on stage with never. him. Never. Never. Not even if it's an hour before he comes out, she ain't in the building. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? Mm-mm. And and people say, well, you know, it's a young black girl and she doing her thing and she getting her opportunity. No, 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 no. Because no. what's next? It's, like, it's, like, like, how low can we go? Like, what's next? Somebody going to come out on stage and just take a crap and throw it at the audience? Like, what is the next mm-hmm. level of, of, of thing that we're going to call entertainment? I mean, somebody going to come out and she going to play with herself on stage? Like, what are we doing? It's, it's, it's definitely. What are we doing? This ain't music no more. This is bullshit. Well, let's talk about that as far as music. Because, you know, I'm a hip hop head. Right. And I love hip hop. And I'm so excited. I think you and I were just talking before we started filming that I just came back from seeing the Book of Hove, the actual um, display in Brooklyn and how impressive I was 
how impressed I was and how impressive the venue was because when you walk up, his lyrics, Jay Z's lyrics mm-hmm. are etched on the front of the building, etc. It's a big ass building. See, oh, it is huge. <laughs> it's a but big to building. That's a lot of lyrics. See a black man, yeah. see hip hop. He actually survived because right. most don't make it. Yeah, I, I would have to say Jay Z is probably my favorite. He, I would is, say he's my number. So one. he, in your eyes, he is Hove. Yeah, he, he, is, he is that. Yeah, Jay Z. I'm not gonna lie. It, it takes. I've, I've I've met a lot of famous people. I met a lot of celebrities over the year, and I've seen. Like, I'm not gonna lie. I would definitely be starstruck. I've never met. If Jay-Z. Jay walked in this room, I think I'll pass out. Yeah, I, well, I don't know if I'm. Yeah, I would. Out. Y'all have to wake me up. I don't know if I'm pass out, <laughs> but I would definitely <laughs> I would. be. I would definitely be. I would be impressed to be in the presence of of. And I, I know think, he put his pants on just like I do. I but would be short of words. And I, 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 I have yeah. so much respect for him as an artist, as a just as a, a the strategy. way he's built his yeah. whole thing. Like I would love to, you know, spend a weekend with him. So like, you know when that thing was going up. around on social media and they said two hundred and fifty thousand like, dollars or dinner with Jay Z. What was your answer? Okay, now let's let's, let's <laughs> <laughs> I got to think about my current financial situation right now. I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna take that. Now I'm gonna listen to some. I'll listen to some Jay Z audio books, but I'm taking them 250. Racks. So you're gonna take that? I ain't gonna lie. I'm gonna take that 250. Okay, you're gonna take. Let me ask you another question that I think I saw a post. We were just recently. We came out of this Montgomery brawl right. about I don't know, three, four weeks ago. Yeah. And um, there was a lot of discussion out there about, you know, we're not our ancestors. We yeah, are. I, I, I hate that phrase. I, I really I really think people and I don't think people say it with malicious intent. Mm-hmm. But I think people when black people, when we say that, we really are being disrespectful of what our ancestors faced and what they what they Because that goes along the lines of the whole Kanye slavery was a choice thing. Who were your um, on that? Slavery was not a choice. I actually went on CNN and talked about that. Mm-hmm. They had me um, talk about the whole slavery was a choice thing. And I felt like that was disrespectful, too, because it's real easy to sit where we sit now mm-hmm. in 2023 and say what you would have done. You know, mm-hmm. you hear people say it all the time. Oh, I, oh, I couldn't have been no slave. Uh-huh. Oh, they would have had to. No, Negro, your ass would have been out there picking cotton with the rest of them mm-hmm. because you ain't want 100 lashes on your back, no, mm-hmm. no more than... And when 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 the people with the guns, I don't care if it's ten people with guns versus a hundred people that don't have guns. You're not trying to be one of the ones to catch the bullets, trying to take the guns from the ten people mm-hmm. who got the guns. Mm-hmm. So you can't sit here and say that we're not like our ancestors. We're going to fight back because our ancestors didn't fight back. Bullshit. If our ancestors didn't fight back, we wouldn't have what we have now. We and wouldn't be where we are. Do they know who Nate Turner is? Nat Turner, right. Yeah. Did they did they watch the video of the Montgomery riots and of the riots that were all over the South mm-hmm. during the Civil Rights Movement? Mm-hmm. Did they see John Lewis and the rest of them on the Edmund Pettus Bridge getting their heads beat in because they were standing up to the... Did they see all the people that were getting bit by dogs Hit by fire hoses, marching, doing everything they were doing. I asked us it wasn't punks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But they did what they had to do. So I just think that that term, people need to stop using it as as a way of saying, oh, we're so much more. Because if anything, I think the ancestors was way stronger than these Negroes just walking around here uh, now. Yeah, yeah. Well, what about Kanye? Right? He's just a fucking weirdo. You think so? Yes. You don't think Kanye adds any value? I, I wouldn't say that. To I, 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 I think, I think, you mean culturally? Culturally. I think culturally he 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 he's iconic. Mm-hmm. I think he changed the game in a way that that it needed to be changed. I mm-hmm. think he made some uncool things cool. I think he made um he brought a certain level of intellect and talent and skill and creativity to the rap game that it that it desperately needed when 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 all falls down and gold digger and 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 uh Jesus walks and stronger and touch the sky and all that came out like I got Kanye I got a Kanye playlist in my phone it ain't going nowhere Mm-mm. I think that losing his mom may have triggered something I think that there's some issues there, but I think he turned at some point he turned into a weirdo. 
he started doing with just weird shit, you know. But is it weird or is it just different? I think he's able to think outside of the norm, and anybody that's typically a free yeah. thinker is considered. I mean, I, and, and I, I, don't, I don't know that I'm necessarily using weirdo as a as a as a slam against mm-hmm. him. I'm not saying he's a bad person, but I think when I say weird, I mean like, bro, you're just you you, you moving in a way that's so that's so outside of my grasp of of understanding that to me is weird. So could he be caught? Could he be a genius? I think, in, yeah, I think on some levels, yeah, he's definitely, um, he's definitely a a creative genius. Let's talk a yeah. little bit about the most recent indictment, the third indictment of our former president, mm-hmm. Donald Trump, right here in the great state of Georgia. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. First of all, do you think that that indictment is going to see the light of day? I do. Do you um, think he's going to be actually found guilty? I do. Do you think he's going to see the inside of a jail cell? Uh, that is yet to be determined because we live in America. And in America, you got to understand that the justice system was set up to protect men exactly like Donald Trump. Rich white men were never intended to be the recipients of the punishment of the justice system. But also, what would it mean to this country and our history to have had a sitting president serve time, what I would think, that mean? I, I think what it, I think the the bigger violation of 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 what you're talking about is the fact that he was allowed to sit in the White House in the first place, because I feel like he should have never been allowed to be put in that position. Um, he was put in that position because of what he represented and because of the way he looks, not for what his qualifications were. I think that we went from having the most qualified, some could say the best representation of a black person hold that office. And I think that the psychological backlash of America to seeing the best of black, it had to be replaced with the worst of white. Mm -hmm. Just, Just so that psychologically America could say, yeah, you all had to have your absolute best, and we're going to show you that we can put our absolute worst in that exact same seat. January 6th, how did you feel when you saw everything unravel? I mean, it to me, it was a culmination of eight years of frustration on the part of white America of seeing Barack Obama, Michelle Obama. It was like monsters. Those, those, it, 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 it was like... It was all that boiled up frustration of having to swallow this black family in the White House because the black family in the White House is something that was never supposed to happen. They went bananas. It did a a psychological mind fuck on white America. It It was like every white man's nightmare to see... That big black, and I'm, I'm I'm about to get graphic now. So if you if you you know <laughs> that big black dick going in the vagina of white America, mm-hmm. because that is every white man's nightmare mm-hmm. is to see that big black mandingo go into the pristine, beautiful white woman, and America being the white woman, and Barack Obama being the black dick, mm-hmm. and when that black man invaded. The pristine mm-hmm. walls of white America mm-hmm. in the highest office in the land, I think psychologically, white America lost it. Lost They was my. like, what? January 6th was unbelievable yeah, for me. Because you, you never, in our lifetime, we never thought we would ever see something that crazy. I mean, they I mean, defecated. They defecated. They were the- so, there was so much anger. And I'm a political animal, so I follow this stuff. And that level of anger that was directed toward Barack and Michelle Obama during the time that they were in office, the level of anger on talk radio, on, on right-wing media, on, on conservative whatever uh, media, whether it was radio, television, print, blogs, podcast, the level of absolute, I mean, they were livid that this man was in office. And in reality, 
It ain't like he was Malcolm X. I mean, what did he really do? He well, didn't, that's why I was about to was, ask you. He was the nicest possible. They, well, they wouldn't even allow, like Samuel they wouldn't allow him to do much <laughs> in there. Of course not. But you know what? I think you're going to appreciate this. Last night on CNN, I saw and I said, whoa, this it made me mad. I had to turn the channel off. They had the two leaders from the Proud Boys. They said right. they were brought up on they they were before the courts yesterday yeah. and they both cried and pleaded yeah. and said how sorry they were. Mm-hmm. And the commentators all talked about, oh my God, they cried. Do we think that they're really sorry? Maybe we should give them another chance. If this was two black men, would anybody ever say, Should we give them another <laughs> chance? Oh my God, they're crying. And so Is, one of the commentators said, listen, if I was facing time in prison, I would cry too. Yeah. I'm sure you cried no. when they you, you didn't cry when they told you you had 18 months. No, I no? didn't cry. No, no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't cry. I mean, it was. I mean, it was 18 months, 17 years, 18 years. Yeah, I, I'd probably still be crying. <laughs> but, but you got to understand, it's it's so much deeper than mm-hmm. we can even get into here in this format. Mm-hmm. White men. White people, just like when white cops kill, like you don't, you don't ever, you don't hard, you hardly ever see black cops randomly killing white citizens. Mm-mm. You hardly ever see uh, white teenagers like being having the shit beat out of them by black cops or white cops for that matter, Mm-mm. because white America was never supposed to be subjected to the laws that they came up with. You gotta understand, we still are visitors. We we are guests mm-hmm. in these people's house, mm-hmm. as far as they concerned. Mm-hmm. We built the house, but we still guess in the house. White America was never supposed to be subjected. So when they see other white Americans being given these harsh sentences, when that cop who killed George Floyd, when he got them 22 years, part of white America was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. They was they they saw how they saw what he did, just like everybody he's fight, else. He's fighting for an appeal. Like, but they were just like, oh my God. He's fighting but for an appeal. But when OJ Simpson got them 33 years, they ain't blink. They was like, shit, okay, well, that's what he deserved. Well, you know, Kay, I think we, we know, and this is one of the things I tell people, we know that we live in a land that has different laws. Hell yeah. For us. It's, and we it's, have it's to, a double standard. So we have to operate as such, too. We have yeah. to know that, right? Yeah, and I'm sure standard. you're probably telling your boys that, too. They can't go out here thinking they can just do whatever they want to do, right. right? Yeah, I talked to them about, you know, how how to conduct themselves. I got two black sons. Um, and I talked to them about how to conduct themselves when dealing with authority figures, when dealing with the police, when dealing with, you know, any type of situation where you know your blackness can be used against you mm-hmm. to 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 take your liberty or take your life, mm-hmm. I teach them how to move. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You know you you don't have to you don't have to bow down and be a quote unquote punk, but you have to respect the reality that we live in. Mm-hmm. Just like I have to respect the reality that we live. In. I've been arrested probably shit at last count in my life. I've probably been arrested eleven times. Damn, I've never been beaten. I've never been mishandled. So you always peaceful. I've never been rough, rough, roughed up. I've never been beaten. I've never been in any situation where obviously I've never mm-hmm. been shot or no, nothing like that. But it's because I know how to move in certain situations. I know when to shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. I know when to be aggressive and when to tone it down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. as a black man in America, you better know how to move like that. If you want to stay alive. If you want to stay alive. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, a lot of our ancestors... They just understood how to move. It wasn't that they were Strategically, punk. they understood. But, you know, everybody wasn't that turner. So I know you got to run. I know you one of the most busiest men out here in Atlanta. I got absolutely nothing to do today. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I mean, I'm glad you put that out there like that. I ain't got well, shit you to had, do. You, I know you got to go and yeah. practice for your next tour date. I ain't got nothing to do. I don't <laughs> practice. I just, man. You just get on the stage. Something. Man, people who say that, yeah, people, people let me tell you, let me dispel a couple of myths here. People who say that people who work in radio work hard, uh-huh. and people who say that people who do stand up work hard, both of y'all wrong. So it's the, it's the, the, it's the chill, the yeah. So that's yeah. a chill job to have. Man, please. Ain't so, hard you live, to go, so you living your dream to go get on a plane and just go get on a plane and go to listen, Cleveland go, and go get on stage listen, for three hours. Get on the plane and go and, and and I see you up there on social media dressed to the nines. Yeah. I said, who's styling That's K? The, who's styling yeah, K? Yeah, me and my, my wife, my wife had a, she, what, we, we kind of fell out about that a little bit. Well, we didn't really fall out, but she, she said, you know, she said, I see that you, you know, you posting your outfits every time you do a show, you posting what you was wearing, whatever. And it's almost like you just really, you know, you just really trying to, 
like you're not even posting your material. Like I'm not posting my material because I'm working <laughs> on a special right now and I don't want everything already out there. Mm-hmm. I said I'm posting the outfits because I like to dress mm-hmm. and I like to show some of the newer comments coming up because I have younger comments asking me all the time, man, see what I got to do to get on. You got to put me on, put me on these shows. I said, well, one thing y'all got to learn is you got to learn how to present yourself. Show business. You got to learn how to present appearance. yourself. It's about Steve Harvey said it years yes. ago. When you go on stage, look like you supposed to be on look stage. Look like you supposed look to be Look better there. than the people that got tickets to come That's see right. you. That's right. Look like you supposed to, you got to look like, a, if you're going to, if you want to be, if you want to be, put you want to look like status, a star. Yeah, if you want to be in a star status situation, look like a star. You got to look you like know? a star. Look like if you want to get paid good money, look like you. But got guess some what? That, that's that's going out. So that's what Have I you do. seen Sexy Red's latest performance? No, I, I'm, not, I'm not watching that. I'm, I'm just not, telling you. No, I don't know if these young no, ones are I'm still buying into that. that whole no, 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 starness no. of but it. But that's I'm, not who I'm talking to. Right. See, that's not who I'm talking to. Not okay. The stuff I'm saying, Sexy Red will never hear. I, we we ain't we look we ain't we ain't traveling in the same intellectual circles. Right. So I'm talking to the younger brothers out here that's mm-hmm. doing the stand up. I mean, dudes out here getting money, whatever, whatever. If you want to go out there in a the t shirt and some jeans and some Jordans, they do you. Mm-hmm. But I'm just telling you, the circles that I'm running in, I'm a grown ass man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm a grown man, and and I'm performing now with grown audiences. Mm-hmm. You know, our, the average age of our audiences is. 40 and up, mm-hmm. you know, 40 and up. These people, they pay a good money. They're paying a hundred and something dollars for mm-hmm. these tickets. They don't want to come out and see me with a t-shirt and some sweats mm-hmm. on on stage. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I don't care if I wore that to the airport to get to. I'm going to look like something. That's right. And so, you know, I just try to show. And she like, you just be posting that stuff. You just like women posting comments talking about, oh, you look nice. And I said, yeah, that's a part of it. I'm but that's fucking, part of your job. Yeah, because I'm a fucking egomaniac too. So I like that. <laughs> but... um. <laughs> Oh boy, you sound like uh, Fonzie, and uh, yeah, but uh, hey, yeah, I like I like getting compliments. <laughs> Hell yeah, I like that. That's nice. Well, I see you because listen, that? you know who else does that? Who Usher. That? Watch Usher's TikTok page. Usher does that too before. Well, I'm show. a heterosexual male, so I'm not gonna spend a whole lot of time. Well, I'm just like you know Usher, Usher's page. I don't want to be looking at Usher. Okay, well don't watch, don't watch it then. Don't watch it. Okay. What? If, yeah. What if I, I start getting? Say- what if I start feeling something? Then now I gotta deal with that. <laughs> I'm looking well, at Usher. I never really looked at well, it before. We don't want now you I'm looking at. Don't now look I'm feeling then, something. Don't then. But yeah, from now now I'm coming out. <laughs> Saying okay, I need to be my true self and live my real. Like I don't need to. I don't okay, need, and this, uh, yeah, yeah, that I don't need big that wrong age. If you start coming out, then yeah, it's too late hey, for me to come out. Late. If I was gonna come out, I should have did it thirty years. Yeah, ago. it's too late. Cause now it don't even matter. But it's the time. Shit, is everybody up. out now. <laughs> Thirty-seven well, straight dudes left in Atlanta. Right, if Shit, that, if everybody that. out. Well, I want to thank you for coming out here today. Thank well, you so thank much. Thank you for inviting me. I, I really it. appreciate this conversation. Man, and um, I want to tell you guys, tune in next time for Cornology. Get no money. If you're constantly worried about what everybody else got to say. If you constantly got your eyes on what everybody else doing, you ain't getting no money. When it comes down to closing the deal, I get you done. Every single one. Welcome to Coinology, the podcast.